Good evening, everybody. And we will sing out and we will cry out And welcome to another very special episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with... Greg and Stephanie Schleter, we have a special guest with us tonight also. And I liked, Greg, how you kind of paced out your little wordage there. I was trying to, and I, I enjoyed the smile, the amusement on your face. But You're of course, cute. I got a face for radio. And uh, Anyways, folks, we are very delighted that you are tuned in with us tonight. We do have a very special guest, and we have a few announcements before we get to our guest in story and music, and I know you're going to be moved tonight. And I just want to begin by um, proclaiming John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Think about that, that God, a trinity of persons, didn't need us. Didn't need to care about us when he did create us. Didn't need to be involved in our mess. And let's face it, we made a mess of things and we're still kind of living in a mess of things. But he loves us so much that though he was in this place of perfection, he condescended, which is to say that he came down in our human form and he entered into the worldly condition. And, you know, he didn't choose the modern society with all the conveniences we have today. You know, he didn't have a bathroom or air conditioning or, uh, you know, Kroger's next door or whatever. And he entered into a rather rugged time of, in the timeline of history. And um, he spoke what they spoke. He used stories to communicate to them. And what was the ultimate purpose? The ultimate purpose of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, was to reveal to us our nature, to awaken us to our God-like nature, that we could be reconciled to God in heaven. And uh, to do that, he, you know, he used language we understood. That's what evangelization really, it literally means to good news someone. That's the good news, that whatever captivity or bondage or struggle we're facing tonight, Jesus Christ has come, and he sent his Holy Spirit, and that is accessible to us right now, that we, through repentance, through um, acknowledging this, this life that he calls us to, can find this abundance of life, John 10.10, 10, in him. So the point I want to focus on, though, tonight in evangelization is Jesus is both the form and the content of evangelization. He is the object of evangelization, but he's also the form. He condescended. He entered a culture. And tonight we're going to you know, experience that, if you will, through our guest, who in a very unique way found a way to use his gifts, his God-given gifts, his God-given passion, to reach culture where they're at. And what's one of the most powerful ways of reaching culture? Well, Lucifer, we know, the highest of all angels, angels, angels the <laughs> choir director, right? He presided over things seen, because he was Lucifer, angel of light, but he was the choir director, so over things heard. Is there anything more powerful than things we see or things we hear? Well, he was master over all of that by God's design. And um, so it, today he continues to use a lot of that, right? He continues to seduce us. But there's a lot in the world right now because God made human beings. God made human beings in his image. We can't help but radiate that glory, and there's a lot of great music that may not be explicitly Christian, and you grew up with it, I grew up with it. It reveals, uh, if you will, somewhat of the, the facets of the glory of God, and I grew up with classical rock in the 70s and 80s, and there's a lot of good music before that and after. So our guest tonight, Jay Jackson, early on, I knew him 
for I've known him for like 19 years. We were just talking before we get on, and I think the first time we met was 19 years ago. But he 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 does an amazing thing. He he takes Christian content, inspiring Christian content, right out of Scripture, and he weaves it into he packages it with popular music. He sings it, he performs it with his band, Apologetics, and you're going to hear some of those songs tonight as he shares some of his story with us tonight. And, uh, you know, truly, this is an amazing brother in Christ, and the group has really a national following. They've been on radio stations across the country, they've performed concerts throughout the country, and uh, it really is delightful. So to get there quickly, we're going to give you a few announcements here, then we're going to get right to it. So we want to continue to invite you to mark on your calendars presents for Christmas, which are on the four Wednesdays during Advent. And the first one coming up is November 29th, and it is just an awesome way to enter into the Advent season, just to really come before the Lord in word and message and certainly into his real presence in the Eucharist during adoration. And we're blessed to have Peter Range, um, who is the one who is going to be giving that message that night. And any donations collected um, that evening will go to help support the Respect Life Office and all his wonderful work. You can find out more info at Mass Impact massimpact.us and while you are there also check out um, the Lit Marriage Retreat. We still have some tickets left and um, just invite you to come with your spouse to to just spend a day together with Father Nathan Cromley and really go deeper. Jumping back to presents for Christmas. Sorry, I'm realizing I forgot something. If you go to the website, you'll, you can download your free tickets for the evening and also hear an awesome inspirational message from Bishop Thomas. And a more direct actual uh, address is presentsforchristmas.com, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, for F-O-R, Christmas.com. Get your free tickets right now and uh, download, listen to live this great message from Bishop Daniel Thomas, again, at presentsforchristmas.com. So before we introduce our guest here, one final thing, we're just going to enter into a moment of prayer right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Lord, your kingdom has come and is among us. You've built your dwelling. Heaven has invaded earth. We don't feel that often, God, when we read the papers and expose ourselves to the coldness around us, especially this season, Lord, where the days are getting darker and colder. They may reflect somewhat of the moral climate around us. And, Lord, we feel this often, not only in reading overseas, but in our own communities, in our schools, in our places of work, maybe in our marriages tonight, God, maybe in our, ha- in our families. But, Lord, you, you are the conqueror. You are the great lover. You want to awaken us to who we are in you. You want to bring your healing. You want to bring your transformation, God. And these are more than just words, more than just cliche. We claim it tonight, God, even if it's just distant words, Lord. We claim your lordship. We give you permission to invade tonight, God. We give you permission to speak to us. So open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us tonight, God. Open our hearts to be attuned to your presence among us. And we do ask this with a modicum of faith you've given us magnified by the angels and saints, interceding before your throne. In your name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. With no further ado, how are you doing tonight, Jay? I'm doing great. How are you? Fabulous. So, 
Let's, be, let's begin, actually, just a quick note on the end in mind. Right now, you are, are you in Pittsburgh, married, a, a beautiful family I see on Facebook. Just give us a snapshot of, uh, of who you are, your family, and just apologetics, and right now, what's going on in your life. And then we'll back up. <laughs> then we'll back up well, and yes, tell the story. I'm living, in, I'm living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yay, and, PA. Uh, I'm, from, I'm from that area originally, so I've been there all my life, and... Uh, Yes, and my wife Lisa and I have five children. We have four daughters, ages uh, 21 through 9, and we have a son who's ages 6. And, um, yeah, I, I had to put him to bed early tonight so I could be first. Usually that, this is Betty time, uh-huh. but um, my wife is, is taking care of that. Usually that's one of my things. But, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, oh, and the band's been around for 25 years now. Wow. And, um, yeah, we're just getting ready to putting the finishing touches on our 50th CD. So wow. 50 CDs in 25 years. and uh, That's unbelievable. Because I remember the first couple. <laughs> wow. I'm That's trying awesome. to forget those ones. No. <laughs> so how many how many songs, if you have it on the tip of your tongue, total? <clears throat> we have, um, we've done over 550 parodies. Oh my goodness. Um, and we're, I mean, we're always writing other ones. We have other ones we haven't recorded, but as far as once we've released, yeah, over 550 of them. But it's easy when somebody else is writing the music. All we got to do is work. Right. Well, that's beautiful. Well, listen, we're going to listen to some of this and uh, integrate it tonight into the program. And uh, we want to start at the very beginning because we know it's a very good place to start. And uh, share with us, um, oh, Jay. I like that, a little sound of music. Reference. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you can do a sound of music parody. Um, though some things are probably meant not to be touched. Exactly. But you might have already done it, and I probably just put my foot in my mouth. But anyways. I was playing that on the piano tonight. Yeah, yeah, all right. All right. Um, so, like Revelations twelve, uh, we speak of um, what what will conquer the enemy, and of course, it's the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And we're increasingly encouraging our listeners, Jay, to to know that they don't have to have this big dramatic conversion story, but just God is alive in their story and to share their testimony where it's appropriate and where He leads them to be a little bold and talking about what God has done in their life. So, we're going to put you on the spot right now and kind of give us uh, exemplify that for us. Tell us, if you will, you know, the short story of how you encountered Jesus, how he won you over, and uh, how, you know, if you will, he brought you to this point of living for him. <laughs> okay. That's a long question. Yeah, I sorry. Make a short answer. No, 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 it's good. I'm, I'm glad anybody's interested in my life. Um, the, um, well, I, I was uh, born and raised in a, in a religious family. I went to 12 years of Catholic school, and my great aunt was a nun, as a matter of fact, and I was her favorite because I was born on the anniversary of the day she entered the convent. Aww. So uh, always, uh, always had great favor with her, and uh, I started sing- my singing career in church. I was a choir boy, probably third or fourth grade, started doing that, and did it all through grade school, and then I was a, uh, on the liturgy committee in high school, and also um, was um, was uh, a cantor for a while, um, you know, in college. And, and part of the folk mass back then too, and um, and I always, you know, from a from a young age, I had a fear of God. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I I I wanted to please Him. I just, um, you know, when you're a kid, you pretty much have a blind faith in Him. But um, but as you get older, you know, especially when you reach adolescence stuff, there's all kinds of temptations and things that drive you away. And and even though I went to, like I said, a Catholic school. There were plenty of kids there that were already, you know, agnostics or 
Mm-hmm. Some of the cooler kids were atheists or whatever, and you start thinking, you know, I was I was always I was in the, the smarter kids' classes, but I wasn't the smartest kid in my class. And you'd be thinking, man, these guys are smarter than I am. Mm. And they don't believe in God anymore. What, what's up with me? Um, so I wasn't sure what I believed. And as you're in adolescence, um, you know, temptations come along, mm. and then there becomes this double-edged sword where there's half of you. Once, oh, this is how it was for me. Half of me wanted to believe in God, and the other half of me was afraid to believe in God because <laughs> it's like uh, I, I'm the, I'm, there's no way I'm good enough for Him. Mm. And um, and 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 I, you know, when I was a kid. I was one of the kids who took confession very seriously. And I remember getting to a point in high school where it's like I can't go anymore. I feel too guilty. I, I can't tell these, these things to the priest anymore. I mean, I just, you know, I was carrying these burdens inside of me. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the only person in the world, you know, not really aware, you know, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and, you know, there's no temptation that's overtaking you, but such as is common to man. Um, so I was kind of in a, in, a, in a tight spot there. And yet, um, as, as, as high school came along and, and even into, even into um, college, you know, Christmas became eclipsed by Easter as my favorite um, my favorite holiday. I didn't like Lent. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I took it seriously. I did take it seriously. I mean, I gave up TV one year, you know, and I, I gave I, probably two different years. And, um, um, you know, I did take it seriously, but I, I didn't like it. You know, it's just, well, I'm going to do this. Um, but I loved Easter. And I loved the, the music, Jesus Christ Superstar. My mom uh, had that record for us. And, uh, and, and even getting into college, it was like one of the things that kind of put flesh on it, the story, to me. You know, it's like it made it seem more real. Um, and Godspell. I loved mm-hmm. Godspell. And I was in a production of Godspell in college. Um, so, you know, those sort of things, God was still doing stuff in my life. But I wasn't sure what I, you know, what exactly I believed. And, uh, you know, kind of, I, when I, I remember getting to college and, um, and, 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 and thinking, I had a very, you know, I, I was always one of the more moral kids in the neighborhood. I was probably the, mm. the one known for his morality. My my best friend's mother paid me to babysit him one time. Okay, that's how much <laughs> I was trusted. I was trying that's no exaggeration, it's true. I got snacks, I got to spend time with my best friend, and I got paid for it. It's but, funny. but I didn't think I was better than anybody else. I had a mm. conscience, a very active conscience. And it was killing me. You know, I mean, and I always, you know, I was the kind of kid who told on himself. And it, my mother <laughs> said, "Hey, you're gonna have to stay in tomorrow because you did something wrong." I remember one time, and the next day she forgot about it. I said, and she said, "Are you gonna go outside?" Well, you told me I'm not allowed. Oh, I forgot. But oh, that's the kind of kid I was. Um, but, but, um, but, I get to college, okay, and I, and I don't think I'm a very, very good person. But I felt like the guy in Psalm 73, although I didn't know Psalm 73 at the time, who says. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure, mm. because I looked around and these people. I'm thinking, man, I thought I was bad. <laughs> oh. These these people have no moral qualms about about anything, and you know they're still going to church on Sunday. Or they and 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 I was really, um, I was shaken up by that, and because uh, it, it was, um, I went from thinking I'm the only person in the world who does bad things to everybody does, but I'm the only person who cares about it, and. There must be something wrong with me. And the more I got, went along in college, you know, I indulged in this and that, and, you know, you gradually drift from uh, uh, a religious hopefulness mm. to um, 
hedonism to agnosticism, you know, you're not sure whether you can even know if there's a God, to almost an, an atheism, you know, pretending like there is no God. Um, and, uh, and, and I was not a very happy person because of that. I didn't go through some crisis like people say, you know, I mean, a lot of people, that's the way God does it for them. With me, um, what actually happened was um, I was a year out of college, and I was driving down the road to work. And um, I had a collection of, <laughs> I had so much music, you wouldn't, you can just imagine, you know how many things we do. Um, but I had hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of records, hundreds and hundreds of cassettes, already was about a hundred or so CDs into it. You know, I had, I had, I mean, I, I had hundreds and hundreds of 45s, just anything you can imagine. And for some reason that day, I, I could have put in whatever I was listening to at the time. I think it was probably the Beastie Boys or <laughs> Julian Cope or the Rolling Stones or the Doors. And instead, I put in this Amy Grant tape of songs that we had done at the Catholic Church at the Newman Center um, my senior year in college. And I put it on, and the song Angels comes on by Amy Grant. God mm-hmm. has angels watching over me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know what it was. It never affected me quite like that before. I'm driving on this road. And I just got this this feeling. And, you know, they talk about that still, small voice. I didn't Mm -hmm. hear an audible voice, but something inside of me said, start reading the Bible. It's true. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I started reading it. And I went and I I dug out the Bible that Sister Charlotte made us buy freshman year in high school. It was one of those good news for modern man Bibles. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, they have like stick man drawings inside of them. (laughs) They were popular in the... Yeah, the late 60s and, you know, into the 70s. I mean, by then, it's the late 80s by the time I'm reading this, but, but I kept it all that time. And um, and I started reading it, and I loved it. I mean, I was so I was so attracted to the personality of, of Jesus, okay? My, my mom made me watch Jesus of Nazareth when I was mm, uh, a senior in high school. I didn't want to, I didn't want to watch this miniseries on TV, but I watched it, and it profoundly impacted me. And I remember thinking, man, I, I would love to be one of those disciples, but I could never cut it. You know, I remember thinking that. But but I've, I've long been attracted to the personality of Jesus. I mean, to the person of Jesus, not just the personality. Of him. And, um, and so I started reading the Bible, and I was, I was excited, okay? And, I, and I, I read Genesis, and you get halfway through Exodus, and then it comes into the building the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, let's move to the New Testament. <laughs> so I'm reading Matthew, and I'm loving what Jesus is saying. It's like, wow, this is profound stuff. But then he says things like, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Mm-hmm. If your mm-hmm. hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And I remember thinking, I, there's not, there's not going to be anything left of me. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's going to be like one molecule left of me, and I, I'm taking it kind of literally. I mean, yeah. I know on one hand he's not really saying literally, but on the other hand I'm thinking, what's up with this? Mm-hmm. And then he says things like, um, uh, he, he says things like, you know, if you're... Um, You've heard it said, you should not commit murder, but I tell you this, you know, you call your brother good for nothing, you're in danger of the judgment. Um, or he says, you know, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, mm-hmm. but I tell you, even look at a woman with yes. lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And I'm just, I just felt so guilty. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I, I wanted to please him, but what I was trying to do was do it in my own strength, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. actually Lent. And I remember thinking, could you... Um, give up music for 40 days, <laughs> not listening to it, but give up collecting it. And you got to understand, guys, uh, I, 
I know one of you is not a guy. No, nah. <laughs> that's okay. But, but, I'm with but you. When I, I remember thinking, you see, I collected every song that went number one. I bought it. I bought yeah. the 45. I get the picture sleeve. And then every song that went number two, I had to buy it. I remember thinking, could you give this up for God and not go back and buy the things you missed? And I remember thinking, I don't know if I could. And I'm thinking, mm. music's more important to you than God. And it really bothered me. It really mm. bothered me. And, and so I, I had other temptations and things in my life. And so I really was trying to clear that all out on my own. Okay, try to make myself good enough for God. And it you know, you have this sort of asceticism or whatever, but it really, it only works so long without mm-hmm, his without mm-hmm. his assistance, without relying on him. And uh, and in the meantime, uh, uh, I, I remember my, my girlfriend, I was in a relationship with a, with a girl I shouldn't have been in, and, and, and she lived right next to the church, too. She was the organist at the church. And I remember she kicked me out of her apartment because all I wanted to do was talk about the Bible and the stuff I was reading, and I didn't want to mess around. <laughs> it Good was litmus like, test. And, you know, and, and just, but, but what happened was when I went to other people I thought would have answers for me, they didn't at the time. You know, family members and friends who I considered to be religious, they were almost like discouraging towards mm-hmm. me, and I thought, Oh my gosh, I mean, I thought they'd be happy that when I tell them, hey, I'm reading this, I'm really starting to believe this and stuff. And so, I eventually, you know, I'm trying to do this all on my own strength. I eventually kind of threw up a prayer and I said, you know, Lord, forgive me. But, you know, if you're if you're really up there, please come back for me. But I got to go and look for answers elsewhere because I'm not getting any help here and I can't do this. And I just let myself slide for like a year. Okay, I didn't know. It could have been for the rest of my life for all I knew. Um, and I did like like you know Solomon's or in Ecclesiastes says, you know, I tested my mind with folly, and I looked mm-hmm. for answers elsewhere. You know, reading books and like you know Carl Sagan's Cosmos and and this and that, and just doing whatever I felt like doing, not just not just some of the time, but all the time. Stop going to church. Stop thinking about this. And and it was Super Bowl Sunday, 1988. So it was almost a year later by the time I come back around. I was not planning to come back around. I was back with that same girl. <laughs> we the organist. And, and I, I excused myself from her apartment, and next door was the Newman Center on campus. And it was empty, okay, but it was unlocked. And I went in, and I just poured my heart out to God. Oh. And I said, I don't know if you're up there or not. I, I have a feeling there is. And, he said, and I said, uh, you know, I don't even know if there's a hell, but if there is, I don't feel I'm going. I don't want to. And I, and I, I never, you know, Lord, I never really trusted in my, my good deeds in the first place, but if I ever had anything to account for myself, I certainly don't now after the way I've been this last, you know, this last year. I need you to come into my life. I really need you to, to change me. And, and frankly, Greg, I probably didn't, you know, I, I didn't realize the cataclysmic effects of what I was doing. That's beautiful. Um, and, you know, it was it was more... I probably felt decent at the time, you know, uh, but I just, I went, I went, uh, went back to the apartment, but in the weeks that followed, I started picking up a Bible again, and I remember thinking, hey, this really messed you up a year ago, what what in the world are you doing? But it was like a totally different book to me, it was mm-hmm. like the blinders were taken off, and it, it made sense, and I read it the whole way through, you know, cover to cover, read it again, like, and this time God started putting other people in my path, other people a lot of them who were about my age, and some older ones, who 
who had similar experiences, you know, who, who God was putting that hunger in their lives, too. And they were, they were reading it, too, and we just fed off each other. And we saw some amazingly answered prayers in that first year or two. I, I've seen them, of course, in the following 28 years or 29 years, too. But, but it was just amazing. And then it was like never turning back. And that's one of my favorite moments in the movie Jesus of Nazareth. There's a moment when Peter is talking and he's like musing to himself at night, and he's on the beach, and he's with all the disciples. They're all asleep, and he's there. I gotta get back. I told my wife I'd be back in six months or whatever. I got the fishing business. What am I doing here? I gotta get back. And Matthew, who up to this point has been like his adversary because he's a tax collector, Matthew looks at him and he says, "You'll never go back. Never. It's beautiful. None scene. of us will." And and that's the way it's been for me ever since. It's been like, no, I can't. I can't. Even when things get rough. You know, even even when you know you you might get tempted to do this or that, you, I just can't. It's like you know that famous statement: you know, once you see the truth, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. And also, apparently, you can't shut up. But I'm going to shut up. <laughs> no, it's awesome. <laughs> love it, love it, folks. You're tuning Thank to Ignite you. Radio Live. Very blessed to have Jay Jackson with us, and uh, he's sharing with us his his amazing, awesome, authentic story of really coming to know Jesus and just uh, bearing his soul here. And uh, of course, we want to play some music. So uh, set up this song, which is a great way, uh, Jay Jackson. Of course, Boston, one of my favorites. The first two albums in particular, I think they went downhill after that. But uh, more than a feeling, very popular song from them. And you did a parody to this that kind of ties into your life. Set it up for us. It sure does. It sounds called More Than a Healing. And, uh, and then the opening words are really about what I was talking about. It's like, he says, I, I hooked up this morning with the Son of God. Turned out he knew me and called my name. And, and, and that's what it is. As I look back on my life, I, I, I can see points all along where God had his hand on me. I mean, I took things seriously as a little Catholic mm. kid. You know, I mean, I, I was praying to him. And whenever we had confirmation... I thought everybody was taking it seriously. Like, I checked notes years later, and they were all like, "Oh, you you took that seriously?" Yeah, it's like when they were laying hands on. Hey, what if we get the Holy Spirit? You know, what if gets the Holy Spirit happen here? I took that stuff all seriously, and God knew it. He had His hand on me ever since I was a little kid. And when I was watching shows on Sunday morning instead of cartoons, and they had some preacher on, and that guy gave the message. I was the kind of kid who probably said, yes, so God had his hand on me from the start. It's just it all came together then, and it was more than a healing. It was a total life-changing experience. Beautiful. The song is More Than a Healing, a parody of the song More Than a Feeling by Boston. You're with Greg and Stephanie Schlegel listening to Jay Jackson of Apologetics.
endless regret-filled days I'm leaving the world I used to know Cause now my That was inspiring and fun. I'm gleaming cheek yes, to cheek. Uh, is that the right? Ear to ear, I guess. Cheek to cheek. Ear to ear. I guess it works both ways. Uh, folks, you're with Ignite Radio Live. Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Blessed to have Jay Jackson of Apologetics with us. He just shared with us his amazing, really true, authentic story of coming to know Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, if you want some of this awesome music, over 500 songs, just bring in some awesome biblical, inspiring lyrics and packaging them in popular songs. You want to find out more, apologetics.com is the place to go. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-E-T-I-X.com, apologetics.com. There's a lot to listen to there. And uh, we're going to come back to you now, Jay. So you brought us up to the point of uh, a conversion, beautiful, ongoing just story and claiming Christ and never going back. Very powerful. And, um, you know, folks, we're, we're really here to rock you tonight. <laughs> We're here to rock you, the double entendre, certainly the music to rock you, but also upon this rock I'll build my church. God's church is meant to prevail in this world, and uh, this music is uh, is what Jay Jackson and the crew are all about. So, Jay, how did you get into the parody thing? Tell us a little bit of that. The parody thing. Well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. You okay? Um, when before, send a paramedic. Uh, yeah, exactly, from parodies to paramedics. Um, we, um, in my family, they always encouraged lots of humor around the, the dinner table. I had three older sisters and my parents, and was always like, pass the pun. You know, I said, everybody would, so you have to learn. I was six years younger than the next closest one, so you just, you learn from observing. And my mother always encouraged us to do creative things for birthdays, like homemade cards and, you know, we you do songs, and my sisters were all involved in musicals and public speaking, etc. And and since uh, ever since I was a kid, you know, I, I liked novelty records. Like you know, most kids, you, you like the funny records or whatever, as Cheech mm-hmm. and Chong, or mm-hmm. just even before Weird Al. You know, so it's whatever you could you could find a comedy. And I always liked parodies, um, as I as I told you one time, Greg. Some of the first parodies I ever heard were written about me. <laughs> the, the school bullies. Nice. Um, I remember a parody of Sesame Street going, Can you tell me how to get get away from Jacks? Oh, how sad. <laughs> but you know what? God used it. You know, he, 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 the, the tables are turned. But, um, but I, I started writing parodies about some of the kids in the neighborhood by the time I was in high school. And um, I started... Um, 
Yeah, it was really popular with, with those kids. You know, I mean, it was it was in good nature. And then when I was in college, I'd write some parodies too, and, and I was a journalism major, and so I uh, I started home with the door where my dog cannot be hurt. Um, <laughs> He's parodying you, know, you in dog language. That's right. Yes, yes, he's having his fun. Um, we, um, I, um, I remember waking up one night, and um, I was a journalism major in college, and the previous banquet had been kind of lame because they didn't have enough entertainment. And I just, I just got the ideas for these parodies about these teachers, and I asked if I could do them, and. They said sure, and they went over gangbusters. You know, I did <laughs> did spoofs about popular songs about some of the teachers. I, uh, I I was doing these things all through college and never really thinking, hey, this is one of my gifts. You know, I was mm. an artist actually. My mm. my thing was cartooning and stuff, um, which I don't even do now. But um, but I, I was writing these parodies. My sister and I had a singing telegram service where you know somebody would call us and we'd write a custom parody of a song about, you know, their their person, you know, that cool. they said, you know. And I never, ever thought, oh, that, there's there's one of your talents. Yeah. And it wasn't until, um, it wasn't until a few years later, actually, um, when all these this big change happened in my life that I had, that I talked about in great length um, previously, um, the, I, um, I, I set aside music, because like I told you, I felt that it had been like a god to me. And, and I, I basically, I got rid of all my, my my cassettes and CDs, not because I thought they were satanic, it started or anything like that. It was just the fact that they mm. were cluttering up my life, and mm. I, I idols. I didn't know if God was calling me to be a missionary or something, or mm. you know. And I wanted to be ready to move. That happened. It's not like I wanted to because I love American food. And I don't like much more than American <laughs> food, but I I just wanted to be ready. And um, and the more I gave away the music. The more clear my head was, and mm-hmm. I just, I, and I was just happy just reading my Bible. I'd listen to the Bible on tape. I'd listen to preachers, what have you, and uh, and I'd listen to some Christian music. But I'd be careful to never hoard it again, never catalog it, you know, and and just be a megalomaniac about it. And um, and and I really thought I was done with music, and uh, and I remember one time I'll tell you a kooky story, okay? <laughs> I I don't tell this story very often, but I'll tell it to you. Awesome. I um. I was, um, uh, I, uh, I, you know, I'd been really into this newfound belief that I had for about seven months, and uh, a friend of mine I grew up with, who's a guitarist, a really good guitarist, and um, he and I used to be in some bands together, and uh, he said, all right, you may have this Christianity thing now, he says, but rock and roll's in your blood, you're not going to get rid of that, you know, rock and roll's in your blood, and, I, and this guy's super bright. And all my life, if I say black, he says white. He just lives to antagonize me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember thinking, and I said, no, Chris. I said, I'm done with that. I'm happy as I am. And he says, well, maybe you could do Christian rock. He said, maybe, you know. And I, and I said, I'm happy with what I'm done with music. And so I dropped him off. And, you know, you have your second thoughts. I, I'm praying to God, my stream of consciousness. You think I jump around a lot when I'm talking to you. You can just imagine <laughs> doing I great. my first. But... Uh, so I'm praying, and I said, "Lord, you know, I thought I was done with music. I mean, if you want to use it, if you want to, if you want to use it, that's great, you know. But that, that would be wonderful. But that that's not my plan." And then I moved on to whatever my next prayer was, you know, because I'm praying in the car on the way home. And uh, and one of the things that I said was, "Hey, Lord, you know, I hear these people because I hung around some charismatics, okay, and, and you're you're still in the charismatic movement." Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, "Lord, I hear these people say they met people with." 
prophetic gifts, you know, said, Lord, if you ever want to send a prophet to me, that would be awesome. And, <laughs> and I didn't think, think about it again. And, and, uh, and the next day was my birthday. And I went down to downtown Pittsburgh, I was in Market Square, and we saw some concert, a guy named Jesse Dixon, who used to sing with Paul Simon, was there. And I was not wearing, I was not carrying a Bible, I didn't wear a cross, I didn't have a Christian shirt on or anything, but I had to go to the bathroom. And uh, I know, TMI, I'm sorry. But I, I said to my friend, hey, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go use the restroom. He said, oh, there's a Burger King right on the corner. And, and another friend of ours said, I'll take you down there. So she... she she took me to where the, the Burger King was. I'm in the bathroom, and there's a guy next to me. He's all dressed in white, okay? And, and, <laughs> of course. And I said, hi, how you doing? You know, you guys, you don't want to talk too much when you're in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, guy and the guy says to me, he says, he says, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He says, says uh, I thought so. I can see the Holy Spirit all over you. He said, uh. I'm a prophet. And at the time, I'm not thinking about what I prayed the day before, because I've never had anybody ever tell me that in their lives, let alone the fact that I prayed the day before, Lord, I'd like to meet somebody. Do you ever want to do that? Um, but all I'm thinking is, okay, I can be real gullible. I'm just going to be real careful here. He says, when you're done here, I'm going back out into the restaurant. If you want to talk, you want to talk a little? I said, sure. I was always up for talking to anybody about the faith by that stage. And um, so I went out there, and my friend Lori was there, too. She you know, she was obviously in the girls' room. She came out, and we're just sitting there and talking. And all I'm thinking inside is, is, God, I don't want to tell this guy anything about me, because I don't want to be a self-fulfilling prophecy here. Mm-hmm, I don't want to... Mm-hmm. I just, just listen to what he has to say. And, you know, in Corinthians, when Paul talks to, to the Corinthians, he says, uh, even First Corinthians, he says, when a, when a true prophet, when prophecy is really spoken, the secrets of a man's heart are revealed, and he will fall down and confess God is truly among you. And this guy said something matter-of-factly in the middle of what he was saying. He knew nothing about me. I worked for a printing company. That was my identity, okay? Mm. I'm a Christian who works for a printing company. He, he knows nothing about my background. And in the course of the conversation, he says, he says, that's why, he says, in your life, all those times when it seemed like you were going to be famous, you were going to be somebody, it never happened, because God knew if that happened before you met him, it's, it you would forget about him. You wouldn't. Mm. You wouldn't feel like you needed him. Mm. And Greg, Stephanie, I had thought that, but I had never told anybody mm. that, wow. let alone this guy. You know, I had thought that because there had been plenty of times in my life where the bands would come together and then they'd fall apart. Or I had to leave on the senior play, and Doctor Such and Such saw you, wants to give you a scholarship, and nothing would ever come. And I, and I thought about that. I thought about it in the months leading up to that, saying, "Lord, I bet that's why." Mm. So this guy doesn't even know. I didn't even let on to him. Like, wow, you just read my mail. And then uh, when we're all done, he says, he says, are you guys into music? And I thought, okay, here comes the sales pitch. He's going to try and sell us a tape. He's a singer or something. And and my friend Lori lied flat out and said, no, no, I'm not into music. She has like hundreds of cassettes in her car. And (laughs) I thought, well, I can't lie. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm into music. He said, I thought so. He said, you're a singer, aren't you? And I thought, oh, yeah. He says, well, God can use that. And what did I pray the night before? I said, Mm -hmm. Lord, if you want to use music, let me know, and it'd be great to meet a prophet. And so what I did is I went home, <laughs> and I wrote a couple of original songs. I picked up the guitar again, which I had been learning. To, I'd sung all my life, but I'd been learning to play the guitar right before this change happened in my life, and I'd set it aside. I picked it up, wrote some original songs, started playing them at the Bible study. Then I started writing some parodies to teach myself the things I was learning in the Bible. Wow. Like, hey, there's got to, I need a song to learn all the books of the Old Testament. Here's, give me a song for the apostles. And so I'm learning the licks. I'm learning the books at the same time and started playing for a Bible study. People liked them. 
met some other musicians pretty soon. You know, we're just getting together for, uh, you know, uh, we did this for about a year or two. And a friend of ours knew about it and liked what we did. He said, hey, there's this Christian coffee house in the area. Look at this article in the local Christian paper. So I read it, and I said, we're not good enough. Mm-hmm. He said, who is? <laughs> so we went there. We auditioned. They liked us. We played our first show there. People loved it. And everywhere we went, people would say, Hey, can you come here? Can you come here? We take every opportunity. We played for free, and we played for three, and it just snowballed. And the next thing I know, you know, now we've been doing it for 25 years, and, and back in the day when it was my dream, it was all I wanted to be was, was you do rock and roll for a living, and, and I gave all that up. It was like my Isaac. It's not wow. the same as giving up Isaac. Yeah. I know. I have five kids, you know. But right. that was my Isaac at the time, you know, being willing to sacrifice it, and, and I really didn't think I was ever going to get it back. God gave it back to me, just like he gave Isaac back to Abraham with a promise. Wow. And that's how it happened. Amazing, amazing story. Very I know cool. we're going to have to have you back and uh, share a number of other songs and stories. We're going to get to some music in the, the last quarter here. Uh, cue up for us a little bit this great song that my kids actually learned the parody first. They learned Don't Shop, uh, Don't... Stop don't till stop. Yeah, right. <laughs> don't stop till Egypt. And so, what's kind of funny about that, Jay, is as they learned the journey, the original uh, years later, they <laughs> they thought Journey was parodying you guys. <laughs> that is, it, you know, that, yeah, they kind of grew up with really "Don't cool. Stop Till Egypt." My brother, I sent you the video, and I think you put it on your website. Oh, as I a family yeah. kind of played that. But um, cue up for us uh, this. Uh, you know, of course, Glee made this song popular to a whole new generation. And I think opened the door singularly to classical rock. A lot of the stuff you and I uh, grew up with. But uh, set up for us as we're approaching Christmas and all of that, this awesome uh, parody of the Journey song, Don't Stop Believing." Sure. I, um, I dug this out because I knew we were going to play this song, and I have my notes because something really amazing happened when, when I got the idea for this song. It was January 7, 2011, and I wrote it down because, you know, time will make you think, did that really happen? It did. Here's exactly what I wrote. On December 31, 2010, Bill Hubauer, our producer, mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, don't Stop Believing would be a great 80s song when he heard it on a list of VH1 songs of the 80s because we were going to do an 80s album. And he said, as long as I could sing it. And I thought it was too hard. Then I tried it, and now I'm reading from my notes. Then I tried it this morning, and even with heavy congestion, I was able to. Then I started to think of stories with a small-town girl and a boy. And the story of Mary and Joseph came to mind. Mm. Later, while putting Natalie, who's our youngest daughter, to bed and singing other songs to her, I got the idea of Don't Stop Till Egypt, which seemed to rhyme so well. I tried to hold that thought till I was done singing with Natalie. Then it was time to put Kelly, who's our next oldest daughter, to bed. Beautiful. I dug out the preschooler's Bible to find a story for her to read to me. It opened up to page 242, which I couldn't remember having seen before. I turned to the previous page, which was the start of that particular story, and it said, Go to Egypt. Oh. Like, don't stop to Egypt? Go to Egypt. Both page spreads told the story of the angel appearing to Joseph and warning him to flee to Egypt. Uh, I'm writing in my notes, I said, I'm typing it right now, less than an hour later, and it's still fresh in my mind. So the story of that parody started with my two youngest daughters, but it continued with my oldest, because December, in December 2012, I had the honor of performing a duet of that song with my oldest daughter, Jana, at her school's Christmas chapel. So oh, it's a family oh, thing cool. for the Jacksons, too. That's awesome. Folks, uh, we're with Jay Jackson of Apologetics. The song is Don't Stop Till Egypt, a parody of Journey's song, Don't Stop Believing."
cut this one short just a little early so we can get in some more music. But that is Don't Stop Till Egypt, a parody of the song by Journey, Don't Stop Believing." And I do want to make sure, just to cue you, Jay, I want to get a We Got the Feet in just a moment. But you and I go back uh, at least 19 years, or 19 or 20 years, and I do recall when I was working for the Diocese of Erie, and we, we had you on a number of different occasions. And we were, uh, I remember one uh, scene where maybe uh, the email was new, and we were going back and forth kind of testing each other's rock knowledge. I don't know if you remember that, but it consumed a good part of my afternoon where we'd throw <laughs> lyrics at each other as to where they came from, and it was a blast. Do you remember that? I don't remember. I remember a lot about our international reactions, but I guess, maybe I'm just embarrassed. You must have blown me away. <laughs> no, it was it was awesome. I, I You know, my brothers, five brothers, grew up on this stuff, and, uh, and let's face it, many of our listeners right now, it's in our blood. I mean, when I'm at a gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, they're, they're, you know, they had the conversion, they know Christ, and they're living for Him, it still remains part of our fabric. And I have to say, um, uh, of late, uh, I would tune into VH1 and kind of see where some of these guys are at and their history and where they're at. Do, do you, like me, pray for these guys now going in their 60s and 70s? And some of them have had the conversion, Kevin Cronin, Ario Speedwagon. Um, I do think some of them are a little more hidden. Steve Perry, I think Journey, a lot of them have learned through tremendous turmoil and uh, challenge in their life, almost the common story. A lot of them have come through and have seen the light. Um, do you find yourself praying for a lot of these guys as you're sort of parodying them? Uh, sometimes I do. I obviously would like to see, and I believe that God can do it with anybody. We did a song parody of uh, "Crazy Train" by Ozzy once, and said, "You know, hey, why did why did?" And we actually just put out a new single it's called "Maybe Madonna Parody Lady Madonna." It's about the same thing. It's like, you know, why do you think it's so impossible that God, you know, God saved Saul of Tarsus? Hmm. You know, He can save, any, and if He saved me, He can save anybody. So it's you know, so. Yes, I do think about that, and, he's, and there are, I love when you read these testimonies of these rockers, like people like Alice Cooper mm. or something, and you see the stuff that's happening. And, and Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, and his, mm, I mean, his bass player is a pastor now. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, Bob Dylan... Uh, you got to choose. I mean, yeah. some of the early stuff is really impressive. Well, let's get to this next song, which is exciting. And I, I had uh, a little bit of a gap before. Uh, I, I don't think I've tuned in in the last year or two, but you've incorporated now the family into this and beautiful daughters. And uh, I, I was delighted to hear this song that you suggested that we're going to play right now. Cue up for us sort of the family factor in the song by the Go-Go's based upon We Got the Beat. You told us daughters singing on We Got the Feet. Tell us about that. Yes, um... You know, my my kids have grown up having to listen to dad, listen to songs, <laughs> rewind, listen to them again, rewind, and come with the ideas. And and my two oldest daughters, Jana and Heather, are on this. Um, Jana started singing with us um, about four years ago, and Heather sings a little bit. And uh, also, they both are into the plays and doing stuff. They're both very creative, and they can write parodies of their own. And uh, we just got got them involved. And what's amazing to me is we, some of the songs that we're doing now, some of the first songs Jan ever recorded with us, were written the same year she was born. And I don't know why I was writing songs for girls, because I knew I couldn't sing these particular songs. Um, and and hear God, in the same year he was giving me words for songs, he was giving me the singers. I just had to wait for them to grow up. But uh, this one was written just a couple years ago with Janet and Heather in mind. Awesome. So, folks, the song is We Got the Feet, a parody of We Got the Beat by the Go-Go's.
here with Greg and Stephanie Schleter on Ignite Radio Live. Very blessed, again, just to have Jay Jackson. I love you, man. I love your heart. I love your gifts. I love your story. I love your authenticity. He's uh, sharing with us, um, we're sharing with you, but he's sharing with some of his music, the parody music of the band Apologetics. You can find it at apologetics.com. We only have a little bit of time left, but um, with that time, Jay, just again, delight to have you with us. I'm always so inspired by you. I'm inspired by our friendship, and uh, you've made me a, a hopefully a more formidable Christian, a more devout Christian, and uh, I know all listening tonight, um, hopefully, you know, we're giving witness to, you know, God alive in our relationships, but um, as we kind of land the plane tonight, just set up for us Christ in the Stable, the parody of Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin. I will do so, and thank you very much, Greg, and Stephanie, it's great to finally talk to you, and mm-hmm. Greg, ditto back at you, I'm very inspired by you, I'm so glad you're out there and, and impacting youth and impacting adults, what you're doing, I, I see your Facebook posts, and, and you pray for people. That, that means so much to me, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad you are exactly what you are, doing exactly what you do. Thank um, you, brother. This, this song we're about to do is a parody of a song from when we were growing up, and um, it's, it's a Christmas song, but it's through the eyes of Joseph, Jesus' foster father, and um, and 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 it's it's looking back on his life. You know, he's, he's about ready to die, and, and it's and it's imagining what it'd be like. Mm. He's He's talking, he's thinking back on when, when Jesus came Beautiful. for the first time as a baby and when he got the news and all the things that happened and the, and the temple, and now he's just about to approach eternity, and, and, but he wants to have some final words to his son, and that's why it's called Christ in the Stable. Beautiful Christ in the Stable, a parody of Cats in the Cradle, Harry Chapin. God bless you all folks listening tonight. We're going to conclude with this song, and uh, we just lift you all up in prayer. Know that God's grace is abundant in your life. Amen. A child arrived just the other day He came to the world as the truth and the way But they were trained to catch and kill the babe We learned to watch out and run away But he was born before they knew it or had a clue I said, my son will be like you God, I know he's gonna be like you And the Christ in the stable was to fill the rooms Little boy, were you mad if they knew Stable will fulfill them soon Little boy, who are you man of the 